Sam Angelio. And I'm Wyatt Massey, and this is Frederick Uncut. This past week, it's been difficult to escape from Momo, a fake challenge that went viral, claiming there were videos or other messages that would drive kids to consider self-harm or taking their own lives. The only problem with this mass hysteria? There isn't any evidence that the challenge is real. It started as a sculpture by a Japanese artist, but pictures of the sculpture were hijacked and turned into the Momo Challenge in 2018. Um, the challenge then picked up on social media um, throughout the year and then picked up steam this year in 2019 after it went viral in the United Kingdom and then into the United States. Uh, it started with a now-deleted tweet um, that then caught the attention of Kim Kardashian, of all people, who urged YouTube to address any potential Momo Challenge videos. Um, then once it hit our U.S. social media, the challenge hit schools, including the Frederick County Public Schools, um, to send out warnings about the Momo challenge. Um, I think three schools in Frederick sent out warnings to parents about this challenge. Um, and it's e- even as it's being debunked as false. And most recently, Saturday Night Live, of course, picked up and spoofed the mass hysteria with a Kate McKinnon-led Momo challenge uh, video. Yeah, it, it came to our attention because uh, multiple schools within the Frederick County public school system sent out these, uh, quote, find out first emails, which go out periodically throughout the day, um, alerting uh, parents and other community members about PTA meetings, updates about school closures, different events that are happening. And it was an advisory that was sent out. Um, three different schools had sent it out um, that this was a problem that was happening in the schools and parents should talk to their kids about these videos and the potential that potential risks that they cause. So now tell me about the timing. Didn't they come out after a bunch of news articles had already declared the challenge a hoax? Yeah, so those emails started popping up in my inbox. I subscribed to all these find out firsts, and I'd never really even heard of the Momo challenge. So what I did, of course, was just Google it, and the top search results, the headline was basically the Momo challenge is a hoax. The Momo challenge isn't real. Um, I went into detail about how just some of the basic parts of the Momo challenge um, just literally weren't even possible. So part of the perceived Momo challenge is that these videos of this scary sculpture telling children to harm themselves or to do various things that could uh, hurt themselves were spliced into videos that otherwise would seem like a normal kids video. So talking about cartoons on YouTube. And there's also a belief that it was put in games such as Fortnite, which is pretty popular young among younger students. Uh, but that just wasn't happening. First off, you can't splice in a video to a video that already exists on the internet like that. Um, And that was pretty clearly pointed out. Now, with FCPS, when when you talked to them, did they indicate why they sent out these emails, even as more and more news articles were saying, hey, this actually isn't real? Yeah, so I sat down with Michael Dorr, who's the director of communications for Frederick County Public Schools. And he sort of walked me through how the, the loop happens in terms of information that bubbles up from students to teachers to principals to the Frederick County Public Schools central office, as well as how information from Frederick County Public Schools sort of trickles down to parents and teachers. Just It's sort of a feedback loop in terms of where these things start. Um, and in terms of the Momo Challenge, that was something that principals had been concerned about because children were having conversations about this quote-unquote challenge, even though it wasn't real. You know, principals have an obligation to share information when they see an issue in their Mm -hmm. community. Um, And the expectation is that principals are going to be proactive and uh, share information proactively with their community, especially when it comes to the safety of students. So that's, that's always a good thing. So we sent, 
information centrally when we saw that different school communities were having the same issue. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it takes a minute to see a pattern emerging. And also principals are, are talking with us in central office and saying, hey, I'm seeing this, what advice do you have? Right. So um, that's when we say, okay, well, let's step back and, and send a message centrally. In terms of it being a hoax, I mean, I understand, I understand that in hindsight, you could mm -hmm. say, well, that, that was a hoax. Why share information about that? As a parent myself, I almost have to ask, what is a hoax? I mean, those images were being circulated, mm. right? So kids are seeing scary images that are frightening to them. They're at school talking about those images with each other mm -hmm. and with administrators. So I think it's totally appropriate that a principal send out a, a message saying, hey, these images are circulating. Uh, it could be disturbing to children. Here's what to do about it. Mm. I think that's helpful. Now, from what I understand in reading media reports, the actual threatening nature right. of the, of the quote-unquote Momo challenge maybe is not real. Yeah. But in terms of the disturbing images and the chatter around those disturbing images, that's, that's very real for kids. Mm -hmm. And also keep in mind, you know, it's the Momo challenge today. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. Right. So the bottom line is we want our kids to feel safe and be safe online. And if there is something out there that's circulating, whether just in terms of gossip, like word of mouth, or on devices, or on social media, or on games, we want to address that proactively. Right. That's, that's the most important thing, make sure kids feel safe. And they felt they needed to step in and send these sort of advisories to parents so that your, your child wasn't showing up at the end of the day and talking about self-harm or suicide, and parents weren't prepared to know what the context was about why that was a conversation at school that day. And so when they mentioned that the children were talking about it, did Michael Dore say anything about how the children had heard about this challenge? Yeah, he said that it was uh, essentially something that they had picked up on social media, um, as well as that's sort of how everyone learned about it. And this was really, in his mind, a teaching moment for, for parents to, to talk to their kids uh, about self-harm and some of the risks, as well as for parents to really be cognizant of monitoring what their students are looking at online, uh, whether that's on YouTube or what sort of games they're playing, just to see what they're picking up. So you have a pretty big range of ages in the school system. So was there a certain middle, like was it middle school versus high school or even elementary school that was most affected by this? Yeah, so the, the three schools that had sent out the alerts, um, two of them were elementary schools and one was a middle school. Uh, so you sort of see there's a pretty big range um, in terms of the schools that thought the conversations that were happening uh, required a advisory to go out. Um, but I, that is a huge spectrum in terms of, I don't believe kindergartners were talking about this. This seems more of a, an upper elementary school and middle school issue. And with talking to parents, were there any tips that the school system encouraged parents to use when talking to their kids about these topics? Yeah, that is something I asked Michael about in terms of these these sort of hoaxes or these things that are really scary to parents, they're not going to stop existing. And how should parents be prepared to have these conversations with their students? And he essentially talked about monitoring what the, the children are looking at online, especially if you as a parent are giving your child your phone or your laptop. You don't necessarily just hand over this $100 piece of technology and say, there, it's yours. Um, it still belongs to the parents. So you should sort of be monitoring what they're looking at or having conversations about the things that they're looking at online, as well as just 
realizing that in today's age, information moves very quickly. So it's sort of on parents to keep up with the kinds of conversations that kids are having. Schools are a great resource for parents and families. So if a parent has a concern, if a child brings something to the parent with questions, and maybe the parent doesn't know quite how to address it, quite what to say, schools have resources, whether it's our administrators, our principals, and assistant principals, or our guidance counselors, Mm -hmm. they will help. they can provide advice, they can provide guidance, they can give answers, and you know, even just information. What is this? What right. is this I'm seeing? And can uh, provide tips on age-appropriate ways to discuss the issue with children, because if one student is, is having those questions, having those issues, guarantee you other kids in the school are having those issues, our administrators know about it, are aware of it, yeah. and, and are there to help. So. Uh, having parents be aware of these conversations and talking to their children was actually something that I also heard from um, a professor at Mount St. Mary's, Jack Trammell, the chair of the Mount St. Mary's Department of Sociology, Criminal Justice, and Human Services. Um, he mentioned that you know parents do need to be aware of this. He had a great quote about how if he was a parent, he would want to be aware of this. Even if it is a hoax, you still want to be able to have these conversations with your child and you still want to know what's out there. Um, and he kind of talked about how the school system is both something that can help by keeping people informed, but also an area where these children are on their phones and they're not always supervised at lunch or recess when they're on their phones. Well, as a parent, um, even a hoax is something that I wouldn't want my children to get drawn into. Uh, so I think as parents, we have to take these kinds of things very seriously in the same way that we would take uh, a book that our child wanted to read and try to know whether it was appropriate for their developmental age and maturity, the same way we might not let them watch a late-night TV show at a a young age, we need to have that same kind of vigilance in the virtual world. And the difficulty is that they're going to be on the computer at school. They're going to be into gaming and with their devices. My 7-year-old grandson has his own phone already. And so it's going to be very difficult for us to try to keep them out of that world. In fact, we can't. They're going to live in that world. But guiding them and teaching them how to regulate their own behavior and to be aware of those safety dangers is a huge parenting priority. And so it's only in the last 20 years when we've had uh, the virtual world expand and the explosion of social media that we've sort of had this Uh, virtual yelling fire in a crowded movie theater uh, occurrence. And in terms of these ideas or these sort of memes going viral, uh, what sort of things allow them to really breed and move quickly? So he would tell me that anything, uh, anytime you get a bunch of people together, something's going to go viral. He, you know, threw it back to the Salem, uh, which uh, trials even talked about, you know, the big gladiator, um, fights and horse races that would draw thousands of people into the Coliseum, for example. Um, you have a bunch of people who are making a lot of noise, getting very excited, and things just go viral. Um, but nowadays, we think of that as more of an internet sensation of viral. Um, but with one of the things about this was that he talked about things that go viral in this way tend to be edgy. They kind of flirt with boundaries. But going viral, um, according to Jacob Silverman and other people who have studied this, it it has some unique characteristics to it that relate to this Momo uh, situation. What goes viral tends to be edgy. It tends to be 
Um, it flirts with boundaries and, and norms. It tends to be visual in nature. Um, it tends to be sometimes outlandish. It's more likely that somebody's tripping and spilling their groceries will go viral than it is that a cute puppy playing with a ball will go viral. Although that happens, it's more likely that it's going to be something a little more sensational. And so uh, combined with the fact that suicide is a very taboo and difficult subject in our culture, something like Momo is a unique combination of factors that really uh, could be upsetting to people. And it would seem to line up with common sense that a topic like this that is so crazy in terms of telling children to commit suicide would go more viral because parents don't want to take that risk of it not being real. Yeah, that was definitely something he talked about. He's a parent, he's a grandparent, and he's also this professor studying how these work. And he was just, you never know. And so what happens if it's real? You don't want to be the parent that, you know, didn't talk about it because you just immediately assume it's a hoax. You'd rather be the parent that had the conversation and prevented anything from happening, even if it does turn out that it's not real. Mm -hmm. And I have grandparents that send chain emails so that I do not burn eternally. And now parents are spreading the Momo challenge. I'm wondering if there is an age group that's most susceptible to these types of things, because it seems like we all fall for them. So ironically, he talked about the younger group um, being more susceptible to the challenges. And I think that came down to they have more access to social media than maybe our grandparents or our parents, just in the sense of they're more on their phones um, and they're not always getting that adult supervision um, that maybe I had <laughs> when I was growing up. Um, so they that's what he seemed to think. But I thought it was a little ironic because a lot of the news reporting came out and said, What's the adults that are causing the problems here? Well, I think schools are both part of the problem and part of the solution. Schools obviously are a a window into the virtual world, and there's no getting around that. So students are at risk at school, and schools work very hard with their um, their gateways to the internet and the way that their networks function and what students are allowed to access during school hours in the virtual world and what they can't, but in spite of school's efforts, uh, students still gain access to that world pretty routinely at school. But school is also an opportunity to educate those children the same way parents should about how to exercise judgment, uh, how to protect yourself and your own identity, and how to um, be aware of things like uh, the hoaxes or the real threats. So obviously this Momo challenge isn't necessarily even a new thing. It had cropped up before and there will be future challenges. So what are some of the things to keep in mind when the next viral hoax goes big? Well, I think one thing is that it's just really easy to go viral now with social media because you're not only just in that group of 80,000 people in the Coliseum where the only people that can spread information are in that group with you. You can now spread information, as we saw with the Momo Challenge, from Argentina to Colombia to the United Kingdom to the United States, all within the, the same day, um, thanks to Instagram and Twitter. The other thing is, that you're right, there is something else that's going to come up, and that's what um, Professor Trammell talked about it's a cycle so something always is going to come up so you do kind of have to stay vigilant you want to have those conversations with your kids and try to like not be overbearing but do monitor what they're doing on social media just so that you're kind of in the know just like you would want to be if your kids were talking to people you kind of want to be in the know of what's going on with their day. I don't think it will be long before something else crops up 
that's not MoMA, but is something similar that is perceived as a threat to our children. And I think uh, this is a demand on us right now. In the area of criminal justice, I think law enforcement is feeling intense pressure to try to be able to police the virtual world and protect people better. In academia, in my department, we just started offering a cyber criminology degree. And so it's, um, it's across the board. And human services uh, counselors and, and uh, people in that field are trying to help parents uh, by equipping them to train their children about safety in the virtual world. And so I think uh, we're trying to respond, but it's going to happen quickly before we can do all those things successfully. So it's, it's, a, it's one of the issues of our time, I think. So I feel like the best way to guard against all of these viral stories is to just do your own research. Give it to Google. So before we go, we like to use this segment to introduce 72 Hours, which will be coming up this week. But our very talented feature writer, Kate Masters, had to run. But I know, Heather, that you have been tagging along with some of her restaurant reviews. Yeah, so for the past couple of weeks, uh, Kate has invited me to come do some of her taste buds um, at the various restaurants. I think I started when we did the Roadhouse Grill Pub. Um, we went to a vegan place. Uh, I was there at the cantina that she actually liked last week. Um, and then but this week we went to Guidehouse Grill in Knoxville. Um, I had some very delicious salmon, and I definitely would recommend people go. So if you want to read the full review, you can check out 72 Hours This Week, which comes out on Thursday. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangelio. And me, Wyatt Massey, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week. Thank you.